Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, talking as Manchester United are one point away from sealing a return to the Champions League. And Rob, I'm still not certain that they'll achieve it. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel any more optimistic than me? I, well, I, that, they should do, shouldn't they? They should. But there's a lot of things they should have done this year in many ways. Um, what's my catchphrase? Don't get too high, don't get too low. Uh, I think you just have to wait now, don't you? Like Thursday's coming, Chelsea. Chelsea have had the worst season they've possibly had. I think this is going to be Chelsea's worst Premier League season yeah. ever in terms of points totals and whatnot. Um, so a disaster of a season for them. And of course, they're coming to Old Trafford and they would love to, you know, stick a fire in the fork of Manchester United, wouldn't they? So I'm always worried about it. I can't I can't lie about that. But yes, you need a goalless draw. You need one goalless draw in two games. That's what you need now. So you've got yourself in this position. Go and execute. Go and get it. I don't care if it's the most boring game in the world on Thursday against Chelsea. Make it boring. Get your point. Do what Newcastle did last night. Newcastle sealing a Champions League place along with Arsenal and Premier League champions <clears throat> for the third time in a row, Manchester City. Uh, United. Do you, does it bother you, Rob? Do you want to see United come third? Because they, they they can. I don't. I don't feel it is necessary. Like it doesn't. It's not the thing that makes me motivated in these final two games. But I think when you, I looked at the table last night and I thought to myself, this is a kind of opportunity now. Like I think Ten Hag will, might use this with the players and say, look. Newcastle drew at home here against a, a pretty bad team in Leicester. And here's your chance now to beat Chelsea, beat Fulham. And it's yours. Top, top three, you come third. So let's be honest, that's been the objective most of the season why United have been in the top four. It'd be like, we'd rather a third, but top four is what matters. So you've now got that opportunity with the games running out. And this is the position you want it to be in. So um, an interesting game against Chelsea, but it's about, I would if you just get the draw and get the qualification, that's that's what it really means. Just don't just concede get, a goal. Just, don't concede a goal. Concede. One clean sheet in the next two. And you're in the Champions League. So I didn't you see last night, Scott, what it meant to those Newcastle players. You know, when when the final whistle went, they celebrated it like a trophy. Yeah. And the fans celebrated it like a trophy. Now people say top four shouldn't be a trophy, but in the modern game, it is a lot. Top four means something. And for this Manchester United team that's missed Champions League so often. It certainly means something in year one of this project under Ten Hag. 
Well, Newcastle haven't been in the Champions League for 20 years and they have a squad of players that were bottom of the league. Feels like we haven't been in the Champions League for 20 years. Like, like, okay, they're celebrating that. But like for me, and I've said it all season long, top four was more important than, say, the League Cup. So League Cup, you can celebrate, but it's just a kind of tin pot that you put flowers in at the end and leave on the mantelpiece. Great, well done. So trophies mean something in that aspect. However... Top four means that you can go on, that you can go buy better players, you can push on, you're in the Champions League, you're in the elite again. And once you're back in the elite, it kind of does change the game a little bit. Yeah, United play on Thursday night and then on Sunday, two home games to finish the season off in the league and then the FA Cup final to stop Manchester City winning the treble. Uh, we'll we'll come to that next week <laughs> and talk about it in more depth. We'll talk about the Chelsea game a little bit later on in the show. We'll also talk today transfer stuff with a more of a focus really on the attacking situation because United beat Bournemouth at the weekend. Again, though, they just they looked relatively toothless. It, it takes an acrobatic finish uh, from Casemiro. You think, oh, all right, we got an early goal. Let's build on this now and let's go win two, three, four. But no, it just stays at one. And then it's can you not concede a goal and hold on? That, that's basically what the story has been for the entire season. And I think that's only United's 52nd goal in 36 games, which is just, it's not a good return. So we'll talk today about the striker situation. I'm sure you saw Anthony Martial being subbed off and his expression and his reaction to being subbed off by Eriksen Haag. Mm-hmm. Turns out it worked uh, in yep. the circumstances, but it to me, it looked a little bit end of Daisy. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about his future We'll talk about striker targets. I'm sure you've all seen, you know about Harry Kane. I'm sure you've seen Rasmus Hoyland linked over the last few days. We'll get into the wider picture, the wider situation around the striking options. And we'll also start the show with the the elephant in the room, Neymar. I thought you were going to call <laughs> me an elephant then. I was going to get really offended. Like, Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't call. I called Neymar an elephant, apparently. Um, <laughs> not you, but... Yes, uh, before we get into that, subscribe wherever you get your pods. Uh, Watch us on YouTube as well, twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays we run. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment and follow us on Twitter as well. We're seeing a lot of love uh, on Twitter, which is very nice. Uh, We really appreciate it, really appreciate the the spreading of the word and the appreciation is it's really humbling uh, to see. Thank at you. underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore being at Promise and MU is where you can find us on Twitter as well. And yes, if you, if you would like to say that this is a, a nice podcast to listen to for United fans, then we appreciate it. So much, so much. And like, I know we always say the same stuff, don't we? You know, like, subscribe, share, like, subscribe, share. But it really does mean the difference for us when, we, when we're putting shows out and we're seeing what people like and what they don't like. Uh, so, so for us, it's all about building it, you know, the promised land. It applies to the podcast as well, doesn't it? That we we're trying to kind of build something here. But thanks again to everyone that, that comments on on Twitter and across all different platforms because it really does mean a lot. I don't know whether I should say this or not, but there's a real strong chance that Manchester City could reach the promised land <laughs> on June the 10th. What the sports washing promised land trillion pounds wow. giveaway uh, lottery ticket? <laughs> yeah, we did that the other day. Um, we did. You know, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a divisive issue, obviously. It's possible to separate both. Like, the, the team are very, very good. The coach is very, very good. But 
they There's should reason. win the treble. They, they, they should. Exactly. They should have already won the treble. I think Carragher said it on Monday Night Football, actually. Best where he said, when you think about it, like his, his manager of the year wasn't Pep Guardiola because he was like, really, City should win the treble every year or get close to it or be closer than they already have been. They've not won a Champions League yet, but they're, you know, they're in line to do that this year, aren't they? But yeah, I, I, it's good that we can stop them at the source in Wembley in the final. And obviously we'll do a whole show on that coming up very, very soon about the FA Cup once the season's done. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to detract away from what Manchester City have achieved, but come on. You're in the best position to do it. It's a bit like Formula One, isn't it? We've got the big teams, one or two, and, and they should win, shouldn't they? Those Formula One teams should win because they've got the fastest car. Um, You know, like if you have a slower car, yeah, probably won't win the race. And football's a little bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, uh, my partner is very, very into F1. All right. I, I always ask, oh, so everyone's just going to race around a track and Max Verstappen's going to win in the end. Like <laughs> it's basically the same as football in it, but what you do get yeah. in football is teams face each other directly. Not My sons are both into formula one. My sons are both into formula one and they love Lewis Hamilton. Right. And to them, there's this kind of like factor when you go watch a race that you know that Max Verstappen's going to win probably. And Lewis is not anymore. And that, that is a problem. Like we kind of are a bit like Manchester United, a bit Lewis Hamilton, aren't they? You know, traditionally the greatest ever won all of these titles, but just cannot win the big ones anymore. Why? Because the investment is somewhere else or there's been development elsewhere. So there is a little bit of correlation there between F1 and football. Definitely. Funnily enough, same kind of owners as well. Ah, funnily enough, we'll talk about how United go about addressing that gap. So I'll ask you directly, Rob. Is Neymar the answer? Is Neymar the answer? Right, let's give a little bit of background to this, right? Because we know, like, the story obviously broke yesterday and it's actually not really new news. Like, I've heard bits and bobs of this before. But where do we stand with it? Is Neymar the, the answer? So I won't give it all away straight away. But I think you know what I'm going to say. So Neymar is 31 years old. He's at PSG and the Qatari owners want him out. They want, they're, they're, do they're done with him. So I think he will leave, obviously, potentially on a loan as well. They're talking about like long-term loan or something like that. But he's going to leave the football club. And Manchester United, we, we just started the show, didn't we, saying that Man United can't score goals. And do you know what Neymar's pretty good at? Goals and assists. But this is where like one size does not fit all. And I think football fans sometimes get carried away with this because it's the glamour of the game and all of this. But Neymar, who plays off the left but can play at 10 and can play through the middle, is not the answer of what you need in the Premier League. Like, he is not. He plays in Marcus Rashford's position, out and out, playing off that left channel, generally, week in, week out. And he's a great player. But I think I counted last night that he's had something like 32 injuries in his career. And, and I did a tweet this morning. I sent it out pre-show. So if you're watching this now, go jump on my Twitter handle there, Rob B there, to go and look at the injury record. And it is horrifying in the extreme. If you didn't like Paul Pogba's injury record, look away from Neymar. So that's what you're buying if you're going to buy someone at around the half million pound a week mark. Do you know what I mean? Like four wages or more. He might get more than that. It'll be six, seven. I think at PSG, his wider deal means he collects something like 800 grand, like including the kind of more sports washing bits, the promotion and all of those things and all of those extra bits that he gives the Qatari ownership. 
Um, so he'd want something in the ballpark, wouldn't he? And imagine Man United, whoever the owner is, could be Qatar, Sir Jim, could be even with the Glazers. Imagine if they did that and executed that deal. Is that in the best health of Manchester United? So my answer is, of course, no. Go by yourself, someone else that can do the job that you want. But maybe someone who's a bit younger, who's got the legs, who's got the motivation, the Ralph Rangnick way. Give someone their first big contract. Do it that way. Do it when you say to someone, right, this is your motivation now to do what you've got to do. And then you join the likes of a Garnacho and these other future players at Man United who are going to do so well, hopefully for us. And you can kind of say to them, this is your opportunity. Do we want Neymar? Scott, do you want Neymar? I see a lot of United fans on Twitter last night saying that they would love Neymar. And you're a bit like, it's like saying I want to sign LeBron James. Like, yeah, but no. It would be fun. <laughs> it would We'd be make loads of shows about it. <laughs> I mean, like in, in every single aspect of sound footballing business, you you do not sign Neymar. Like, no. In terms of world profile, which is exactly what we have uh, criticised United for over the last ten years, signing players for commercial purposes, signing them to make a splash. This fits right into that category for me. I like. I have. <laughs> it's really weird. Like I, I didn't automatically think. I, I I know that this is just 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 don't do it. I know absolutely yeah. don't do it. And I'll get into the red flags. Yes, yeah, so it's a massive flags. red flag. But at the same time, it would be quite fun. You know, um, if you can, if you want to base a sound footballing argument on it, if you sign a, a midfielder who can, alongside Casemiro, hold the defense together, and you put Plot Neymar in the ten for teams you can't really break down or struggle to beat. You know, Neymar does that in France. <laughs> uh, however, no, not for me. Like I, I had a, I had a little joke about it last night on Twitter, but it's not going to. It doesn't make any sound sense. It doesn't scream to me Eric Ten Hag profile. It doesn't. You know, he doesn't press. He's injured a lot. He takes the same time off each year to for. You know, I'm not going to get into too many details, but. It's Birthdays just, and it, weddings, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Like it, yeah. it, it's not, it's not the right decision uh, for United to make. It's it in the same ballpark back to the last ten years. It's in the same ballpark of Ronaldo, and it's weird because again, they were, the Monday Night Football lads were saying that they were going. It's weird that the Ronaldo thing was this season because it feels so long ago now, and it does, doesn't it? it? Feels like ancient history, but it was like it was only at the World Cup where we were talking about him leaving the football club. But I'm not saying that Neymar and Ronaldo are exactly the same parts of their career, but they definitely are at the same kind of juncture in the sense that at 31, Neymar's body gave up at 28. Yeah. So you're going to bring into the Premier League, the strongest, toughest, fastest league in the world and expect him to deliver you 30, 40 goals and assist a season. Yeah, he could do that, but maybe for a year, tops, and you might do well for a year with him. But then you're talking about replacements already, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, come on, like people, we, we we do so many shows about recruitment and we'll carry on doing that and saying about, you know, what you should and shouldn't do in terms of like squad building. Neymar would be fun, but also kind of painful in the same way that Ronaldo was. When Ronaldo was banging a hat trick, it's fun, isn't it? Ronaldo's sulking on the sidelines, it's not so much fun, you know, and it would be exactly the same with Neymar. It'd be like, oh, is Neymar mates with Fred and Casemiro? What are they doing, the Brazilians? It just would end up being a weird narrative that we don't need. 
lots and lots of good young strikers out there and forwards. Go find yourself one. Become valid for the right reason. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking through the list of like Premier League midfielders at the moment. Uh, who can I think of? Let's say Man United play Liverpool at Anfield and Neymar mm. starts and Jordan Henderson absolutely clatters him. That is viral. Con- <laughs> that is, that's the, the wrong type of viral that you want. Completely. And that's obviously going to happen because Neymar is just like, you know, he's the cherry on top of the icing on top of the, on the, on the cake, right? For yeah. a, a team who, uh, if Manchester City did this, what a, what a signing it would be for them! It's a, it's another it's another element for them to add. They can mm. withdraw him. They can they can rest him at the right time. United are not in that position. And what I, we we should actually go through the the reports itself. They they, they surfaced from Le Keep in France last night on Monday. Mm. From what I understand, PSG is shopping Neymar around. They want to get rid of him. And th- uh, yeah. there's not, we're not even indicating that Man United actually want this to happen. No, the keep are pretty much the mouthpiece of, of PSG, incredibly strong links. And you quite often see the stories come out through them before anything happens at PSG. Again, that's part of the kind of sports washing mouthpieces. It's what happens, the connections between the press and the football clubs. Uh, that Every club run. has that, regardless of... Every club has that, but you, you definitely do see that this is a strategy from a PR machine generally for, from that kind of sports washing angle. You do see this. It's, it's, there's a connection. It does happen with Manchester City as well in, in this country. So it's, it's a broad spectrum. You're right. It does happen in football, stuff being leaked to the press because... But I think when you look at Neymar, it, 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 putting Neymar on Manchester United is like the perfect kind of spin to get people clicking isn't it like you know i know we talk about it now but we're talking about it in terms of united fans all going "Ah, we'd love neymar well no come on guys like like think think a little bit think what you're really getting so that's the more interesting bit for us i think because we're kind of addressing the united fan base rather than say the press it's funny actually because my initial reaction to it wasn't people love neymar people idolize neymar and think of him as the you know, the most talented player of his generation outside of Messi, really. And yeah, technically, absolutely. I've, I've always been a, a relative critic of Neymar because I, I think he doesn't deliver at the, the exact moment he needs to deliver. Remember when PSG were in the Champions League final and I think he missed a guilt-edged chance. Yeah. Or in, in the latter stages of the Champions League, when you want a player like that, of that profile, to deliver at the very mm. moment he needs to deliver, I think that... I, I wouldn't say that he does in those moments. Maybe that's unfair because he brings joy to a lot of people. You know, he's very, very talented. But at the same time, the, the amount of baggage that comes with it, United need to move away from this. And and they have done a good job of that since Ronaldo left. Yeah, he's a, he's an icon for a reason. But that doesn't mean just that he's an icon. You've got to say if he's on the market that you've got to get him. You know, like the irony of it is, is what you just said about Man City, that if he was at City, he would kind of come in and out of the team and they could use him applicably. But you know what? Man City are not buying him. Man City won't go anywhere near him because he does not fit Pep Guardiola. So I think it's the same reason that we've, we're out Ten Hag. And and kind of that's why I think we're quite confident that even if there is a change of ownership at United very soon, that they might look at some of these targets. But I think if Eric Ten Hag's got anything to do with it, he will just use Ronaldo as the example and just say, 
We don't need superstars. We need to create superstars. That's what we have to do at this football club. Yeah. Go back to go back to the old way of doing things at United. Neymar, good player. Might have taken him back in the day when he was at Barcelona and he was part of that, that front three, which was the best front three in the world at that time. Um, could he make Man United champions? That's a question I always ask, Scott. No, he can't. He can't. We'd still probably be about third or fourth. Let us know what you think of the Neymar speculation. Would you take Neymar? Let yeah. us know in the comments of the show on YouTube. Let us know on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P, and at PromiselandMU. Neymar speculation comes in the midst of, you know, Anthony Martial subbed off at the weekend. Everybody mm. knows that United need a striker. Everybody knows United aren't scoring enough goals. Number 10 isn't the first position you think of, really. It's, it's probably in, in terms of the pecking order. We, we did this on mm. our show recently, didn't we, Rob? Mm, how, I, how high up the pecking order is a new number 10? I, I don't think it's massively high, like sixth, seventh priority to rotate with Bruno Fernandes. But you've got Christian Eriksen there who can play yeah. in and out if Bruno Fernandes isn't there. You should probably end up signing, and I'm going to talk about a, a forward in a minute that I think United should actually hone in on or try and sign. Somebody who can play multiple positions and probably can play the, the 10 as part of their profile as well as other positions. But um, yeah, a general take from you, Rob, on the on the striker situation as a whole. Did it look a bit end of days for Anthony Martial when he was subbed off at Bournemouth the weekend? In a way, because we look without regurgitating the whole season about what Anthony Martial Martial has done and hasn't done. I think what you you know I said coming into this running that you had to start him because he gives you that goal threat. But if he's not doing the other things on the day, then you've got to pull him. You've got to you've got to just yank him out of the game. And I actually would have pulled him at half time in that game because there was so much at the top end of the pitch wasn't right. wasn't going right with Jaden. It wasn't going right with anti-Martial. I think when you lose Marcus on that side, you lose a lot of that balance with Martial. Martial becomes less effective. Was it the end of days? Well, yes, it was because I actually think going into this Chelsea game in, in a game where you need a goalless draw, you'll probably want to defend from the front. So you're probably going to go with Veghorst and that will horrify a lot of United fans, of course. But I think with Martial, he's run out of credits. You know, like he's he's had a ton of credits with this manager and he just needed to get fit and get on a football pitch. That's not his fault. If you're injured, you're injured. But I think when you're there in the small sample sizes that you can give, you've got to be wholly effective. He has been at times this season, but it's not something you can bank on into the future, is it? So this is why a striker is what United need. You just said there about, do you need a nine or a ten? You probably in an ideal world, Scott, need someone who's a false nine. You probably in an ideal world, you know, someone who can play the nine, can play the 10, can play wide, do all those things, all the intricate bits in the middle. I wouldn't say you needed a direct replacement for Bruno Fernandes. I think we have seen this year that Bruno's been overplayed because you've not had much choices. And it's hurt Bruno's game at times. Like he's not been fantastic every game of the season everyone knows I've been critical of him this season so I'd rather see Bruno be the 10 like next year and be the the kind of that's where he plays every week and you can pair him up with a striker um but there's plenty of players out there there's plenty of strikers that you could go and get and I, I would not be surprised if you may, may not end up with a left field striker like if you can't get Kane for whatever reason and you can't get Osman then you, you're into different territory aren't you so I think United United have definitely got to invest in someone who can play through the middle so let's talk about that <clears throat> because obviously 
it looks as though if United can do it, Anthony Martial will leave. He has massive wages. This is a, this is a, a trouble that United are going to run into mm. a lot of the time is that they pay wages that are so far off the scale compared to what clubs in other countries can manage that they'll either have to pay a chunk off to let the player go mm-hmm. or pay a share of his wages to let him go. Or if they get very lucky, then maybe they'll have they'll sell the player outright, but probably not for a massive fee. I don't think they really get any more than 15 million for Martial in the summer. Like that's just Difficult. my gut feeling because he's on 250 grand a week. Uh, maybe a return to France is on the agenda for him. Marseille, I know are looking for a, a left wing kind of option and they've been linked with, or they've had interest in Wilf Zaha. I, I don't know what will happen there, but maybe they're, they're going back in the Champions League. Maybe that's a, mm-hmm. that's a potential option for him. The likes of Leon, you see Alexandre Lacazette scoring loads of goals for Leon, uh, and mm. maybe Martial can do the same there. Plenty of well, limited options for him, but maybe someone like Napoli, for example, if they sell Victor Osserman. I don't know. Uh, I'm these are all speculatory comments from me, but Martial may be sold if they can, and if, if United are efficient in the summer, about Veghorst is obviously has three games left in a Man United ship unless they somehow change their mind <laughs> and end up signing him. But the, the the talk over the last few days, Rob, has been that United could end up signing two strikers. Now, we have on nightmin.com reported not so much that. It really depends on the financial conditions. It depends on the ownership situation. It depends on... We know the priority list is central midfield, center forward, center back. They want another one as well. But... In an ideal world, United signed two strikers. And from what we understand tonight, I'm in, there's essentially two lists. So number one mm-hmm. list is your established, expensive star man who comes in. You know the names I'm going to mention here. Harry Kane and Victor Rosserman. Dusan Vlajevic, as we reported in Night in, on Night in, in January, is of interest to United as well. That's come back around over the past week or so. There's other players too. That's your expensive list. The ones who can plug and play come in straight away and presumably bag you 20-odd goals a season of varying degrees of cost. Vlajevic, even though Juventus are very much publicly saying he's not for sale, have fallen back down to seventh, lost 4-1 last night. They're not going to make the Champions League at the end of the season. 80, 70, 80 million quid. Victor Osserman, 130 million quid. Harry Kane, 100 million plus. Mm. Can United pull off one of those deals? Or do they go with somebody off the second list? The young option that they can develop, which is maybe more alongside Eric Ten Hag's uh, philosophy. We got names like Mohamed Kudus, Benjamin Sesko, Gonzalo Ramos, Rasmus Hoyland, Santiago Jimenez, Evan Ferguson, who's just signed a new deal, so that's not going to happen in the summer. No. Uh, Plenty of options there. Is it a case of one or the other? Or is it a case of one of each? I think in an ideal world, you'd want one of each. So, again, when we talk about money, like there, there, there's this fear, isn't there, that because of the ownership debacle carrying on and carrying on and carrying on as it is, that United just won't spend any money. And that's just not going to happen. United will spend money where, wherever they, they find it under the sofa or not. They're going to spend some money on a striker. But it's whether you go for one or two, isn't it? Because the, there is this option there that the two, that the second striker, does remain martial. Like you could say, right, this guy does not, does not stay fit so he can only play limited minutes and if you got this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Someone like Martial being your 20-minute option off the bench throughout the season. It's not bad, is it? The issue this year, of course, was that we needed him to be your 90-minute option every game. That's what we needed from Martial. So that might be a way of solving the kind of conundrum around that player. But you're going to have to bring in someone that can give you 60 to 65 games a season as your starter, as your number nine. Go find your Julian Alvarez. You know, like you could have had a Julian Alvarez type player. I'm going to keep banging on about that because he sits on the bench at Man City and obviously does so well when he's on it. It's won a World Cup this year and a Premier League and maybe wins a treble. Wouldn't that be an amazing season for him? But you need that. I think you need that kind of talent. Uh, Evan Ferguson would have been the perfect kind of player in terms of to develop. He's young, but will also score goals in the Premier League today. And I think that's the route Man United should probably take. Then, of course, there's the Kane and Osman option. Like they are still banging on all those doors. So we have to wait and see what happens with the ownership because that will be it. Like new owners will want a marquee striker. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? To also sell the shirts as well as everything else. And Eric Ten Hag wants one. Like we know that Ten Hag wants a number nine. And my God, as he hinted at it in recent weeks, like he really has talked around the subject a lot and talked about where we could be better. And we all know that putting the ball in the back of the net is where Man United could be a lot better. Yeah, so let us know what you think in terms of the striker you want, or if, if there's a player on the list who maybe is in the younger, the younger options yeah. bucket who can cost a little bit less, maybe forty to sixty million quid. Look at Newcastle with with Isak, right? So it's like so it's again, right? Before he came on the market, a lot of people knew about him, like really did, like prodigious talent, did well in Spain. Not a player who was really on the list of all of the big clubs, yeah, really, at that moment, but someone that people were watching. And Newcastle made the jump and went and got him. And they've they've, they've solidified top four now, which obviously is something that not everyone really thought they would. I thought they would battle for top four this year, but they've done it. They're there. You can go and get a striker like Isak in that marketplace of around the 50s, who is still considered development, but very, very quickly is not a development project anymore. Very quickly is very valid. So I think United might look at the transfer market like that because then, Scott, you might be able to go get two. You know, like, I think if you go get Kane or Osman, the likelihood of two becomes tougher. But if you go get your Isak version, you could then go find your Callum Wilson. Like, no offence. You could have those kind of pairings. And then you've got more people to score your goals. And that is the issue with Man United. It's these these forwards that are at our football club. You know, there's only one of them who's really scored consistently this year and he's been sick recently. So you need more people who can put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, there is a name, another name that we mentioned on this show previously, as far back as January, Mohamed Kudus, who I just, uh, yeah. just mentioned there in the long list. <clears throat> um, David Ornstein in his athletic column this week suggesting that or saying that Kudus has told Ajax that he's going to leave mm-hmm. looking at 30 to 40 million quid. And this is the player I was talking about earlier on with the, the flexibility to go and play in a number of positions. The Neymar alternative, let me put it as the Neymar alternative. Maybe. With Neymar, the Kudos alternative. <laughs> you know, this, I, I really think that he's not had, Ajax haven't had a good season. They have no. not since Eric Ten Hag has left. They're, they're third in, in the Eredivisie, Feyenoord have won the league. 
it's all going to pot. I'm seeing Eric Van, uh, Edwin van der Sar's getting a lot of stick as well. Yeah. Uh, for the way that that's been run over the last year. And like a year ago, everyone wanted Edwin van der Sar to come and replicate what he did at Ajax at Man United. Exactly. So it's funny how things can change really quickly. Uh, however, Kudus is a player that can play in a variety of positions. I think this is why I'm going to go down. I, I think I put him in my list when we did our, our signings uh, for the summer just a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. 30 to 40 million quid, 22 years old, can play the false nine striker role if you yeah. want, is left footed, can play off the right and can also play as a number 10 and that's his favourite position. So I think if you can get value there and he's happy to come in and just be that bit part player who just plays in a variety of different roles. I think you're onto something there because he's a very, very talented player who's worked with Ten Hag before. And people will say, oh, well, you know, Ten Hag didn't really use him that much at Ajax. Mm. Well, he's young. He's young, right? He's he's, he's 22 now, but Ten Hag has seen the tools that he's got. It was a case of developing him and the, the time didn't align. And I just, I just think that's the only way you could go do this business for you, for Man United. Like you still need more than just one or two, don't you? Really, like when you're looking at swelling the squad, and you need different profiles of players, Scott. So yeah, you do need goals. But I think when you look at the United profile, of the squad at the moment, and we'll do more about the current lot as we go on, and we know what happens with Champions League. You know, you look at someone like Jaden Sancho, who, who should give you goals and assists in multiple positions, and isn't. So that makes it tough. You you got someone like Garnacho, who's still very very young, but is kind of giving you the odd goal and assist here and there, and showing promise. So you kind of need to go and get a load of role players somewhere in the middle of that, where they're not like completely bombing, but also not not just kids. So you look at someone like Kudos, who's still young, but Kudos, I think, would fit into that category of like an Isak to me. Is that when Isak came, a lot of people's eyebrows raised and went, was this what Newcastle really need? Well, yes, it was a really good piece of recruitment because he was the profile of the play they needed in their forward line. And they scored a lot more goals after that, Scott, didn't they? You know, they became a goal-scoring team rather than just defensive. United this year are probably going to end the season with pretty good defensive metrics overall. David De Gea. Golden Glove winner, you know he'll be getting that in the next day or two, and uh, you know, good, you know, well done to him. But it's it, it, it still want a centre back, but you need to score goals first of all. Like now, you need to find a way of putting the ball in the net. And if Jaden ain't helping you, if Anthony's still developing, if Anthony Martial is no longer valid, if Veghorst is done and cooked and finished, that's a lot of role players you need. You, you're going to have to fill some of these spots. So I think that uh, Kudos is a really good shout. United have scouted him and looked at him before. The only reason why Ten Hag didn't play him at Ajax because he was younger and had competition. That was it. It was, in a way, a little bit like Garnacho in that sense at Ajax. Was that it wasn't that it was doubted about his ability, just that the manager was developing him quietly behind the scenes. And Ajax have benefited with that. Just said that about Edwin van der Sar, and I think we should we should call that out. When Ajax final game of the season, um, booed by the Ajax fans. So it shows how quickly things change. And the thing about Edmund van der Sar is that he's no director of football and never has been. So he made that choice as the CEO to not have one at Ajax and the projects collapse. So that's how precarious football projects are, Scott, is that you can make one or two tiny mistakes or they become huge mistakes and then fires are on fire and you've got to try and put them out. Um, Kudos would be a great snatch now. Like I think with Ajax, maybe at a lower moment, Maybe there are other defender as well that we like, we all know about. You could go and get him as well. This is the time to go and tempt players from that football club. 
just a final point on Kudus, just to come back to the left-footed thing. Mm. You know, I don't have a lot of left-footed players yeah. in general and left-footed attackers. And you know that Eric Ten Hag makes a big deal of playing a left-footed defender on yeah. the left side of defense. Yeah. Playing a left-footed player on the right wing in Anthony. There is a, a player, another player who's left-footed that we haven't mentioned here that we still don't know about uh, that could re-enter this conversation depending on what United decide to do there. We, we don't know. Uh, but Kudus, to me, said he prefers to play as a 10. He gives yeah. you an option up front. He's got 11 goals in the league this season for Ajax. And he is that option to balance things out because we know that when Anthony isn't there, as much as we want to put, say, you know, Jaden Sancho was signed for the for the right-hand side by Ole Gunnar, so he doesn't play there. Yeah. And when he does play there, it doesn't work. And when Marcus Rashford plays there, he sticks out like a sore thumb. It doesn't work. So, and that's why you need role players. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No, sorry to jump in. It, 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 it's uh, you're right. You're hundred percent right. And and I think this is the thing. And he would be a really nice alternative to Bruno in that way, wouldn't he? So like, if, if Bruno gives you the Bruno things and you're happy with that, and I think the manager is happy with most of that, then if you need someone who maybe plays transition more or could kind of link with the striker a little bit closer or be a striker in a false position, then it, it feels like Kudos is the man, isn't it? It really does. It feels like he's the guy that if you went and got him, he again would be a kind of under-the-radar signing that, that the British press would look at it and go, hmm, Man United are showing a lack of ambition because they've just signed Kudos from Ajax. Well, they said that when we signed Martinez as our, as our centre-back because he plays on the left and he's like four foot five or whatever they think he is. So it proved that the proof is there in the pudding, isn't it? When the player plays and is in the system, that he can help. I think Kudos would be a great shout, Scott. I think I think as well, like you just said there about Jaden. We'll, we'll talk about this more in the weeks ahead. Jaden Sancho is not cutting the mustard for whatever reason. It's just it's not happening for him. So it means you're going to have to buy forwards that can give alternatives to Sancho as well, as well as scoring goals. So I think Kudos would be really exciting between. An Anthony and a and a Rashford, or with a with a Garnacho linking up with him, or with a Bruno playing as a ten, and then you can almost play him in all of those positions as well. It really helps. Maybe one player I'm missing out on there is Ahmad, who we'll see. I was thinking about Ahmad, yeah, you know, uh, but <clears throat> I think United are going to reevaluate him over the preseason period and then decide what he's whether he's ready or not, because I think that is going to be. He's not going to be an automatic starter by any means. He's going to be more of a bit part player. Personally, I think if you can get him alone to a Premier League club for a year, I think that's the right choice. Ideally, like you know, you 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 send him to a Bournemouth or somewhere like that in in a kind of ideal scenario. Uh, I, he still needs games, and I think this is the whole thing with Plestry. Plestry is now probably going to sign a new deal. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet. Has that come out yet, or my? talking rubbish but Palestri is likely to kind of be be retained and then you have to decide what you're going to do with the kind of younger players around the fringe like Palestri like Ahmad because they're all really good young players aren't they and I think that they can give you value like in the immediacy but is it smarter to just give them another year out on loan to develop them to get that another 50 games under their belt I certainly think Palestri needs that he's done well at United this year but obviously hasn't been much of an impact off the bench let's uh encourage people to share what they think my ideal scenario for the attacking options is harry kane plus kudus i've said this before hmm. let's see if united can do it they still need a central midfielder i would still like to see a center back is that too much to ask is that i mean is that four players i, I, four I, players? 
I, I think the thing is and a goalkeeper, obviously, but <laughs> you want you want another goalkeeper. So <laughs> look, this 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 is the problem, isn't it? Is that there are multiple roles that you can fill, and it really is. I think what our job as journalists as well and observers is to try and not like predict what the manager is thinking as well. What does the manager really want? We know he wants a striker. We get two strikers if we get Kane. Oh, probably not. I'd love Kane and Kudos. That would be a really nice, like, chemistry fit. I think, I think it's impossible, right? But I wouldn't really... Uh... No, impossible. No, no. But again, again if, you, if you do do that and you go get your two, then you're definitely dropping some other position. Probably goalkeeper as it stands. Like, that's just the way it is. Goalkeeper's getting a new contract, going to get his golden gloves, probably going to stay as the number one. But we all know that you probably do need your David Raya or your Costa or someone like that sooner rather than later these things will impact that is that if you if you do go heavy on the goals and i think i say i think united will i think they want they want goal scorers they want people who can put the ball in the net we hear this directly from the club you're going to take the weight off marcus rashford i think you rush rashford can't be the only player that knows where the back of the net is because we know marcus blows hot and cold has a great season this year but what if next year he only scores eight goals? It could happen, couldn't it? Could have a bad season. And then you're going back to where you were. You've got to kind of protect about that now, Scott. You've got to get in there now, bring in one, two, three players that can score. Maybe even a goal-scoring midfielder, Scott. Like someone who can play the eight and get you goals from either set pieces or, or do other stuff. Because we always talk about like the number eight things of running around and controlling games on the deck. But... You could go and find maybe your Frank Lampard. You know, Lampard did for Chelsea for years. Is that a, a, a player who can play the eight, but is also kind of a number 10, comfortable in the box? We thought that was Donny van der Beek. Like we did. We thought that van der Beek might be a 12 to 15 goals a season player if he was in the right system and it didn't happen. So you might go find a midfielder that helps you do that and then go for a big striker to kind of supplement. Yes, indeed. Just a, a, a note. There was a suggestion this week that Nottingham Forest want Dean Henderson and he's up, rated up towards 30 million quid, which isn't new, but seeing it re-reported. Take it. Fight now. off hand. <laughs> Take Snap it. Hand off. There you go. Driving Dino down the motorway back to Nottingham. That, that would be fantastic. If you get 30 for him after the season's had obviously been injured as well. Um, you, you, there's definitely going to be takers for Dean Henderson, even if it's not Forest. But Forest, I think now that they've stayed up, will probably recruit another 37 players. A lot of clubs want goalkeepers as well. Forest, of course. Uh, Tottenham, Chelsea. Uh, there's going to mm. be other clubs. I, I, I've forgotten. Spurs is a good shout. Like, like mm. I, I think Spurs liked him before, and their recruitment team. Obviously, they've they've had changes there pre Conte and post Conte. Um, but the recruitment team's always liked. Henderson and he had contact with Spurs in that day when United were trying to guarantee his contract and solidify that. So there'll be plenty of takers for Henderson. I think there'll be a nice marketplace for him. As you said, I think goalkeepers are now, there used to be a time where goalkeeper was the last sort in everyone's brain and you just, it wasn't a thing anyone thought about in the market. But now clubs are looking at how important that position is, not just for saving the ball with your gloves, but actually playing out from the back. And, and I think Henderson gives a lot of clubs, especially Premier League clubs, options. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if there's options to remember abroad as well. There were teams looking at him, we know, a year or two ago. You mentioned gloves. Uh, massive congratulations to David De Gea for winning the Golden of Golden Gloves. Most Golden of Golden Gloves. Outright winner. Is it 17 clean sheets he's kept this season? Uh, and, yeah. 
United have won both <laughs> in the WSL and yes. in the Premier League. We've so, done the double. Done we've the double. done we've done the double. Yeah, look again, I, I think with De Gea, you know, everyone has their opinion about him and it's he's a divisive player in terms of his skill set and what he does. But again, as I said on my other shows, I I, uh, I I think when you look at the body work from De Gea to Varane to Martinez this season, those just those three, so forget the fullbacks. But I think those three for the large majority of the season, when they've played together, Man United have looked assured played the ball out from the back pretty well. They kept clean sheets. And that's why United are here, like on the cusp of top four. I think those three really worked well together. I, I, it's the same issue, Scott. Like you're going to have the same issues with De Gea next year and forevermore, however long his contract is. Uh, and you you should probably pull the trigger earlier rather than later. But congratulations to him. And I think he deserves it. He even kind of put a little bit of a snipe. Did you see him say, I think I've contributed this year? Because... You're constantly being told, isn't he, that he doesn't contribute. He's constantly told that by United fans and by the press. So 17 clean sheets is nothing to be sniffed at. You know, and as I said last week, Edison hasn't got that. Allison hasn't got that. None of them have got it. De Gea has. So, you know, congratulations to him. And uh, and I think we will see a new contract announced imminently. One more is the request, is, is the request for David De Gea. One more clean sheet. We'll get Man United over the line. Two more, though, would be great. Well, two more would be nice, yeah. Uh, two two more wins to take United, maximum six points mm. out of the next two games to take United's points total to 75 for the season. They play Chelsea on Thursday and then Fulham on Sunday at Old Trafford. I saw that last night when I was looking at the table and thought, if United win these two games, they get 75 points. <clears throat> if they get 75 points this year, that is a miracle season. 75 points? With a new manager and a broken squad. And he had to rebuild all of that from scratch 12 months ago. So I'm not going to get too high on that yet. But when I was looking at it last night, Scott, I was like, that, is, that would be miraculous. Like that is manager of the season level really is 75 points with this Man United project, the way it's been. And we've still had the Glazers for the whole 12 months, haven't we? Like, I know we talked about ownership a lot, uh, you know, inwardly and outwardly, but that would be amazing, wasn't it? If you could get those two wins now against Chelsea and Fulham, Really tough game. I think the Fulham game is tougher than Chelsea one. But Chelsea, you know, again, Frank Lampard mentioned him for a second time on the show. He'd want to go out with a bang, wouldn't he, with his uh, his club that he loves. So uh, it, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a tough ask, but I'm not going to say they should do it because I know they want to shoot myself in the foot. They need one point. We're circling back to the start of the show here. They need one point from two. <clears throat> we would like to see six. I think that the 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 calculator puts on on Monday Night Football. It said before the game that Newcastle played last night. New, Newcastle were ninety nine percent sure mm. to get top four. Man United were ninety eight percent sure mm. <laughs> to get top four. Yeah, and Liverpool were something like three percent because Liverpool dropped points at home to Aston Villa at the weekend, which takes the pressure off United. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready yet. I just I just need to see it confirmed before I go and say anything. I love those calculated things because I tell you what, they are the biggest load of rubbish ever, right? They really are. Boston Celtics, who are my team in basketball, were 97% assured to get to the final 
because they're playing the Miami Heat in basketball. Yeah, and Miami Heat are not as good as them, and they are currently 3-0 down and about to be eliminated. So yeah, the Miami Heat had a 3% chance of winning the series and a 3-0 up out of seven. So th- this is the thing. It's always like it's horses for courses, isn't it? United need to do the job against Chelsea. Like, we've said this before about Chelsea. They're a young team. They, they are kind of at the start now of this build, Like even though they've spent you know hundreds of millions already and they're going to have a new manager. It just wouldn't surprise you if United struggle on the day and that this young team come out fit and firing. But they weren't quite there, were they, against City? I was observing Chelsea more than I was City that day. And I was thinking, mm, that wasn't Chelsea didn't really kind of play their heart out for, for Lampard that day. Fingers crossed. That's the Chelsea that turns up on Thursday. It'd be quite good if they come for a Sunday stroll. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, one more, one more task. For Man United to do in the league, and let's let's hope they can get it done Thursday night, and then Sunday can just be a yeah, whatever you know. Let's just go and have a bit of fun, and let give the fans. A, let, let's not make Sunday like Tottenham's lap of appreciation was at uh, the new White Hart Lane on in front Saturday. of no fans. <laughs> that oh, painful, brutal, isn't it? Like you know, beautiful stadium, best stadium in Europe, etc., etc., etc. No fans. So that's kind of where Harry Kane's head is. You know, he had to do his interview in front of literally 17 people or whatever it was to say what he had to say. Um, yeah, look, United are nearly there, you know, and and, and I think that they get over the line on Thursday, hopefully, the, the, the credit is all theirs. And, and I think this is, then the, the narrative can change again, Scott. It's kind of what yeah. I've been dying for is that, you know, that's what I'm just saying. If you get 75 points, that's an astonishing season, really. really, really is. And considering all the games you lost, like you didn't win one away game in the top nine. That's mad. And you still came. We are. I will say, don't I? It's the, it's, the, it's the bottom 14 teams you have to beat every year. That's what you have to do to be title contenders. It's not really the top six. You do have to beat the top six as well. But the bottom 14 get you where you need to be. And United have done that this year. And that's that's been a positive because they've spent years not doing that, Scott. Not being able to turn teams over. It's still precarious. Like you need to beat this Chelsea team or at least get a point. But do you know what? Play 4-5-1, Scott. Play keep ball for 90 minutes. Get your nil-nil. Bore the pants off of all of us. And you're in the Champions League. That's it. That was the task at the start of the season, even though yeah. I, I put United sixth in my preseason predictions. I'm, I'm sure we'll look back on those at some point in the next I, few weeks. I, I, I said fourth or fifth. And, and, and I, I felt that fourth would be like stellar. Like if United were fourth, just by the skin of their teeth, that that would be amazing for this manager who's never managed in the Premier League before. You know, and, and we, we Ten Hag was a little bit of an unknown quantity for us, wasn't it? We did know a load about him from Ajax. We 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 did all our homework. We watched Ajax for years. We knew what he was um, in that context. But we didn't know how he'd cope in the league. And I think he's done all right. Like I don't think he's been perfect. He's had a lot to manage, Rob. Like, you, you think of the, the Ronaldo situation... I think that's one of the biggest things on the whole. Like, I mean, if you don't, totally. if you go into a season with a 37 year old striker who I think he's 38 now, like if you go into a season with a player like that, who's not willing to be rotated and is willing to, you know, throw tantrums and walk off the bench, that, that was this season. And, that was and, this and season where he walked, he walked off down the tunnel. Lesser managers would have fallen to that. They would have done, we see it out of the football clubs, is that player power does reign supreme, especially with ownership groups. You know, they do look at their major stars. And Ronaldo, as we know, like, Ronaldo just wanted to run everything. Like, again, I think when we do a wrap-up show for the season, which we will do quite soon once these two games are done, 
you know, that's going to be one of the segments because Cristiano wanted Manchester United to be about him. And and the problem was that he can't run and didn't score as many goals anymore and, and made everything toxic. So yeah, we will wrap that. But again, I think that Ten Hag, to manage that situation, but actually, Scott, do it in the most cool, calm way. Like, can you imagine Ten Hag turning on his TV in the morning and seeing Cristiano there with Piers Morgan? They're looking at each other and he hasn't even got a clue that the player is at the, at the studio. How do you manage that? I think I would lose my mind. I'd probably go mad and try, try and you know find the player and be very very annoyed with him. But we know with this manager, he is he's got that you know ice in his veins. And United have needed that for a long time. They don't need the Mourinho's. They don't need someone like that passion killer. They need someone actually who's got control. And I think I think this is why seventy five points this year would be miraculous because after the Ronaldo debacle, it was only around the World Cup, Scott. Which you and me were both saying top four doesn't look good here. Like, you know, United, the form isn't good enough. And they're kind of, I think they had three or four games, didn't they, going into the World Cup where they started to win games and they sneaked in that top four. We were like, that's not bad. First half of the season, you're fourth now. If you end up the season third with 75 points, that's, that's an amazing achievement. But we're not going to say that that's there yet because it hasn't happened. United play Chelsea on Thursday and then Fulham on Sunday. We'll be back on Friday to reflect on whether United have got in the Champions League or not. Let's hope that we can just look positive and upbeat and let's look ahead to the FA Cup final from there and hope that United can do a job there. And let's look ahead to the summer where hopefully, fingers crossed, clarity will be eventually come out and the Glazers will leave. Uh, but <laughs> yes, we await... And- and your best chance of winning the FA Cup is by getting a draw against Chelsea. This is your best chance now, right? So you can, if you get your point against Chelsea, you can rotate against Fulham. Like you've seen City do this now, aren't they? Massive rotations now. They've won the league. Now they're looking at the next trophy. Man United need to kind of do that themselves with the Champions League. Get your nil-nil draw, your one-one draw, or one-nil win, or whatever it is that gets you in the Champions League, and then against Fulham, you maybe can rotate a little bit and save one or two players' legs going into the FA Cup final. And that is your best chance of beating Man City, is to give yourself maybe an extra few days to recover, rest and work together. Because this is the thing, if you go into the Fulham game needing something, then the stress levels are going to be high, aren't they? And you're not going to be able to rotate anyone. Um, That's the smart way of doing this. But however, Man United as a football team doesn't always do it the smart way, does it? Let's hope they do this time. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and watch us on YouTube as well. Tuesdays and Fridays we run. We'll be back on Friday. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well and follow us on Twitter and get in touch with us on Twitter as well at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. That is it from myself and from Rob. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Fingers crossed. One more game, one more clean sheet required and we can stop panicking until the FA Cup final. See you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.